Hi, everybody, and thank you so much for that lovely introduction. I'd like to start by telling you the story of a new founder when they're just starting their charity. At the beginning, it was amazing. Every day, they got to work on something that they found really important. They weren't just doing something like marketing Fruit Loops or making somebody richer, rich, even richer. They were doing something where they were really making the world a better place. On top of that, every day, they got to work on something new. The task diversity was amazing because when you start a charity, there's, you have to wear a different hat every day. So some days you might be doing strategy. Another day you might be going doing a site visit or management. There was so much that you could do. And because you were doing something different every day, they learned so much. Every day they were growing and learning new things. It felt amazing. And they got to work with people they actually liked, you know, because they were the ones building the team. They didn't have to work with people they found really incompetent or annoying. They got to build something where they were working with people who were really cool. It was a dream job. They thought, man, I can't believe I'm getting paid for this. And then the obstacles came. So at the beginning, they made a whole, whole bunch of mistakes. So when you're work, running a charity, you have to have a completely different way of thinking about things. So usually you're kind of used to thinking of it from the perspective of what job can I get? What skills can I build to get somebody to hire me? But when you're running an organization, you're not working for an organization. You're working on it. So a lot of the times what you have to do is hire somebody who has the skills because it would take you way too long to get them yourself. And because of that, they went, ended up working way slower than they used to, than they could have. Another thing that ended up happening is that there was just tons and tons of ambiguity. So they would, you know, have an idea. They'd go talk to an expert and say, hey, what do you think? An expert would say, oh, that's a terrible idea. Don't do that. And then dejected, they go and talk to another expert they like, and they say, hey, what do you think? And the expert would say, that's amazing. Definitely do that. And they get really confused and just think, what, what's going on? So they go and try A, and it doesn't work. And they get tons of public criticism for it. And then they go and try not A, still it doesn't work. And they still get publicly criticized, often by the same people who told them to do not A, which is very frustrating. And this, this sort of public criticism hurt way more than other things because this wasn't just a job for them. This was their baby. And... So it really hurts so much more to make these mistakes. You might be wondering who this founder is that I'm talking about, and you might guess it's me, and you're right. But this is basically the story of practically every single founder I have ever talked to. This is just the story of top giveable charities. This is the people coming out of our program. This is just the story of charity entrepreneurship. There's always going to be these amazing ups and devastating downs. And yet, it's one of the highest impact and most meaningful careers that you can go into. And that's why we started Charity Entrepreneurship. We want to make it so it's a lot easier for people to get into this career path. And we are trying to be the sort of people we wish we had had when we started. And that's why in this presentation, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you about what Charity Entrepreneurship does in the kind of context of what are the ingredients of a good charity and how we provide them. So quick overview. These are the five ingredients. Spoilers. Um, so the five main ingredients are having a good idea, being the right sort of person, having a good co-founder, a good network, and of course, enough funding. The reason why I listed the idea as the first thing is because this is where the bulk of the impact will come from. To illustrate this, I'm going to uh, bring up Homeopaths Without Borders. 
This is a real charity. Um, it's like Doctors Without Borders, but with homeopathy. And they could be run by the smartest, most competent people, really altruistic, executed flawlessly. And they still have no impact. In fact, they might have negative impact because they might be moving people from evidence-based medicine that works to something that doesn't. Now, I hope nobody in the crowd is thinking of something quite so bad as homeopaths without borders, but more often than not, the way that people end up choosing a charity to start and the idea they choose is haphazard at best. People will go about their day-to-day lives. They'll be you know, listening to a podcast or trying to do something. They'll encounter a problem and they'll say, aha, I have an idea. And they'll compare that one single idea to the status quo, which is usually continuing education or your job or whatever. Now, there are millions of potential things you could do. The odds that you just happen to stumble upon the one that was best is vanishingly small. You have to compare between a lot of different ideas and really think and compare. And that's where charity entrepreneurship comes in. We do kind of give a style of research in the sense that we do intervention prioritization research, but instead of recommending what charity to donate to, we recommend what charity to start. We put in thousands and thousands of hours. We have a whole research team working on this and systematically comparing dozens of ideas on things like evidence-based, cost-effectiveness, the limiting factor that might affect scale, all these sorts of things. And at the end, we put out these recommendations that if you follow those, you're going to have a much higher chance of having high impact. It also takes away a lot of the analysis paralysis. It's very easy to be like, well, I kind of want to start something, but I have no idea. We kind of help you with that. You can learn more about the process on our website, uh, charityentrepreneurship.com. You can also watch one of my co-founders' talks, Carolina Sarek. Um, She's the head of research. And um, unfortunately, you guys just missed it. It was just before this. But um, you will be able to see it on YouTube if you missed it. And we'll also be putting it on our website when it comes out. In terms of people coming into the program, we do accept people who have ideas already, but you have to make the case that your idea is similarly high impact. It's a high bar. We've put in thousands of hours, but it has happened in the past. The next ingredient is being the right sort of person. So most people, when they think of an entrepreneur, they have a very particular sort of person in mind. Usually it's somebody who's charismatic and extroverted and, you know, a little quirky. And those people do start charities, but... There's a whole bunch of different sorts of personality types that can start a charity. In fact, some of the best people I've seen who've started charities have been a bit more introverted and reserved, but they're the sort of people who really think about things deeply, and they don't just jump into things. They really try and make really good decisions, and they can often do way better than that person who's more stereotypical entrepreneur material. Another thing to keep in mind is that most of these traits are things that you can develop. They're not something you're necessarily born with, but that's something that you can develop and work on. You can find out more about what sort of traits uh, make a good charity entrepreneur or not um, and what kind of background you need or don't need by uh, watching my other co-founder's talk, Joey Savoy. Um, That was done last year, and it's available on our website. And he goes a whole bunch into this. But in this talk, I'm just going to cover two, open-mindedness and grit. So open-mindedness is really important because you can have the best idea in the world, go and execute it flawlessly, and it still won't work. Because the world is ridiculously complicated. Sometimes you might have had studies before, but the world has changed in relevant ways after the fact. Could be the study was pea fishing or something like that. So you could just get unlucky. And what you have to be able to do is take that information in and adjust accordingly. Either problem solve around something, uh, completely pivot and do a completely different intervention, or sometimes shut the charity down entirely. This last one is really hard. 
It sucks to know that your blood, sweat, and tears amounted to nothing. And that's why you need the second trait, which is grit. The ability to keep going even if it's really, really hard. You're going to make mistakes. This is guaranteed. Nobody can prevent this. But you need to be able to keep going anyways, because the only way to guarantee failure is to give up. So when things go wrong, you need to be able to keep yourself going and learn to pivot or rest instead of giving up. The way we help with open-mindedness is we help you set up systems that make it so that you can get real-time feedback about what's working and what's not. It's really important to make sure that you can actually find out if it's not working because it's really easy in the nonprofit sector to you know, have a little bit of self-delusion and think that you're having more impact than you are. And it's really important to know if it's not working because if it's not working, you don't want to waste your life doing something that's not impactful. And then on the other side, you want to know if it is working. Because then you can go and get really excited and go talk to Ace or Givel and say, look, look what we've done. And we basically help you learn how to set up these systems, how to design an RCT and stuff like that, or find an academic who can do, design the RCT for you. Another thing to keep in mind, and this isn't something that Chariot Entrepreneurship specifically does, but is still really important to know, is that a lot of times people think that, oh, if this charity doesn't work... Well, I'll just be standing in the circle of people who are pointing and laughing and saying that I suck. Um, and for one thing, that doesn't happen in reality. And then the other thing is that the EA movement is really special in the sense that we, as a, as a community, really celebrate intellectual honesty. And if something doesn't work and you publish it and you say, this is what we learned, this is why it didn't work, people will applaud you for having that intellectual honesty and making it so that other people can learn from that and not do it again. So... Even if it doesn't work, you'll still build a lot of career capital and reputation in the movement. So it's not as scary as you might think. The way we help with GRIT is we provide ongoing mentorship. So we provide a two-month training program. And then it's not like we just kick you out of the nest and see if you fly or you fall. Um, we provide weekly mentorship sessions with senior staff. And we also help set you up with other mentors and everything in the community. And on top of that, you're graduating with a whole bunch of other people from that program. And so basically what can happen is, say you're having a really bad week and everything's not working, and you're like, ah, you can talk to somebody else and they can say, I was there last week. It's okay. It'll get better. The next ingredient is the right co-founder. This is going to be one of the most important people on your team. They're going to be the people you can bounce ideas off of. They're going to complement your skill set. And they can really help you carry the load. But I actually think one of the most important factors of a co-founder is actually the psychological support. Knowing that you're not alone, working on a project completely by yourself can be really, really difficult. And having somebody else there who knows what you're going through is amazing. Uh, for example... One thing that can happen is you can be having a really bad time, just like dark night of the soul, nothing's working, and then somebody can be there to support you. One example I remember is uh, a co-founder that I knew. Um, at the beginning, they were getting a lot of negative feedback from experts, and it was really hard, and there was somebody there to help them get through that. But on the flip side, that same co-founder then was able to share successes with them and highs. So uh, later, that same co-founder then went to a conference and they were able to talk to their heroes in the field as equals because they were another co-founder. And that felt amazing. And oftentimes, people outside of your organization won't really get how cool this is. So take, for example, if you had talked to, you went to a conference and you got to have dinner with Peter Singer, right? Just one-on-one. -on -one. Now imagine going to your mom and your dad and saying, oh, I got to talk to Peter Singer. And they say, who? And it's like, oh, oh, that hurts. 
So being able to share the highs and the lows with somebody is so important. The way we help with this is that we basically get a whole bunch of cool people and put them all in the same place for two months, which is an amazing feeling. You're basically surrounded by these like really high drive, intelligent people who share your values. And the energy is just amazing. It's one of my favorite parts of working at Charity Entrepreneurship. Um, and then what we do is we help set you up with partner projects where you go through and work with, in the low-stakes environment, all these different people so you can kind of get a, a sense of what it's like to work with them without it being all that important. We also do a bit of co-founder matchmaking where we help set you up with people who have a complementary skill set. So a really common one is we'll take somebody who's a bit more of the extroverted fundraiser and we'll pair them with somebody who might be a bit more quiet and reserved, but they're much more... Yay, in terms of they'll, they'll really think about things and everything. Another one we'll do is we often have people who are just finishing university. They have tons and tons of book learning. They've read the EA forum forwards and backwards, but they don't have much real life experience. And what we'll do is we can pair them with somebody who has lots of experience, but might have a little bit less of the EA mindset. And that's a really common pairing that works quite well. The next ingredient is a network. So you can have, be a great person, have a great co-founder, have a great team, but you're part of this larger ecosystem of charities, and it's really important to know, know the right people and all that. Unfortunately, we're still human. That's still how it works a little bit less than before, but still not great. Um, so what we'll do is we'll be able to help you set you up with the CE network, but then also with the EA network, which is full of really talented people who want to help either with advice or funding. It's a really great community to be a part of, and also it's a great place to hire from. And we'll also teach you how to build a network in your particular field. So say you're working in, you know, chickens in Myanmar or something. We'll teach you how to go about building that network in that particular field. The last ingredient is funding. So this is the thing that most people are the most nervous about, and they don't really need to be. For one thing, the A movement right now is quite funding heavy. So while it's not going to be a cakewalk to, to fundraise in the A movement, it's certainly going to be a lot easier than you might expect. Another thing to keep in mind is that feelings do not necessarily track reality. So just because you feel like you're in danger does not necessarily mean you are. Like if you see a snake and you're afraid, but you know that that snake is not poisonous and can't really bite you, then that doesn't actually mean you are in danger. And likewise, just because you feel uncertain and unsafe about money does not mean necessarily that you are. Often if you take a step back, you'll find that you have quite a few safety nets. Not everybody, obviously, but a lot of the times you'll find that it's not as scary as you might think. On another note, if you want to do something really great with your life, not just have a life that you're happy with, but a life that you're proud of, you're going to have to do stuff that scares you. It's a lot like climbing Mount Everest. When you're climbing Mount Everest, there are going to be days when everything hurts. But you knew that going in. If, if it was easy, then it wouldn't be great. Everybody would do it, right? And there's nothing quite like that feeling when you're at the top of the mountain and you've achieved so much. And starting a charity is way better than Mount Everest. You climbed a mountain, whatever. When you start a charity, you're doing something really important and meaningful. There are people dying unnecessarily. There are animals kept in terrible conditions. The future of life is at stake. And when you're looking at something like that and stakes like that, a little bit of financial uncertainty seems like a price worth paying. On a more pragmatic note, we provide seed grants. So if you do get through the program, we'll provide you with funding. Um, so that takes a lot of the edge off. Uh, we'll also set you up with a demo day where we can help introduce you to potential funders. We'll help you with the network and, of course, psychological support.
So in summary, what we do is we provide two months of training on all the skills, not, not all the skills, but a lot of the skills you'll need to start a charity. It's all free, so if you get into the program, the vetting process is quite intense, but if you do get in, we provide everything from flights, room, and board. Um, and then on top of that, we also provide you with a vetted partner, a vetted idea, and ongoing support and a network. So if this is something you're interested in, how do you apply? First off, sign up to our newsletter. This is where we announce when application rounds open. So you can go to charityentrepreneurship.com. There's going to be a big join us button. You can also go to the apply thing. And we're also going to have signups at the back there. You can just use old-fashioned paper and everything. Um, if you're uncertain, err on the side of applying. So again, feelings don't necessarily track reality. Just because you feel like you wouldn't be a good fit doesn't necessarily mean you wouldn't be. Imposter syndrome is rampant in the A movement. And actually, some of the best entrepreneurs I know, there's one in particular, where they have objective signs of success, that this charity is working, that they're good at this, and they still don't think that they should be an entrepreneur, even though they, they've already done it. So just because you feel that way doesn't necessarily mean it's true. And you can see the application process is a bit of an external, impartial uh, evaluation. Because if you get in, like... This is our job. We're experts at this. We basically go and try and identify good charity entrepreneurs. So it's a really good sign if you get in. If you don't get in, that doesn't necessarily mean you'd be bad. In fact, often the best entrepreneurs are the people who do stuff, even if everybody tells them not to. So, But if you do get in, very good sign. Another thing you can do is go through our internship program. Uh, we provide an internship program where you can go get five to ten hours a week remotely. It's unpaid, but you can get paid in some circumstances um, if that's like necessary for you to be able to do it. And what you can do is you can kind of get a sense of what it's like working at early stage nonprofit. And also, of the people who've gone through our internship program, something like 20% have gone on to then get into our incubation program and start a charity. And that's out of all of our interns. Not all of our interns actually want to start charities. So the actual percent probability is actually a lot higher. Um, lastly, if you want to help but and you want to see more charities out there, you don't necessarily want to start one yourself, or if you do, but you also want to help out, I do remote talks for local EA groups um, where I'll give you know, maybe a talk like this, maybe something different, um, and then do a Q&A. And that's a really good way to get it out there so that we can find really good people and then have there be way more cool charities in the movement. And if you just generally have any questions, if you're just curious or you don't know something or want to learn more, reach out to me. I'm going to have my email address on the last slide here. That's what I'm here for. That's what charity entrepreneurship is here for. We're here to help you guys, hopefully, fingers crossed, create the next AMF or Humane League of the A movement. Thank you.